This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. You're listening to the Millennial Balance Podcast, brought to you by 105.9 The Region, exclusively part of our Discoveries block. What's going on? I'm Shalise Bacchus. I'm Afwa Ba. Hope everyone is doing all right, keeping warm, feeling those cold temperatures coming. I think uh, it's officially <laughs> time to take the winter parka out. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Shalise, I think you're going to find uh, this shocking, but after work, mm-hmm. I went to Starbucks. Ah! <laughs> You did what? I did. I did. Did you just wait until we were recording to tell me that? Yes, I did. <laughs> just give you a little bit of a Christmas sort of gift. What'd you get? I got everything, the, the sweetest thing possible. I got the white chocolate mocha. Yeah. Did you get a cranberry bliss bar? <laughs> of course I did. I know you love those. Of course I did. All right, there we go. <laughs> Welcome in the holiday season. That's it, man. But before the holiday season, you know, there's lots of things that we can do to sort of, you know, just keep time moving. You mm-hmm. know, things are slowly starting to open up. We're getting back to normal. You were, you know, going out to restaurants. We're going, going to the out. movies. Yes, yeah. we're going to the movies. And speaking of movies, there is one movie that's coming up, not sort of in the Christmas genre, but still a good flick that you want to catch. We will give you all the details at the end of this chat, but we're speaking with one of the actresses who is going to be making her film debut in this movie. Shaliza? And the most amazing part about her is that she is just 11 years old. Yep. York region bred and born young Canadian actress. Now joining us is Holly DeBarrows. Holly, what's up, girl? Um, not much. What about you? You know, I can't complain can't complain i'm i'm in the presence okay, okay. of actresses so yes. you know i'm just you know trying to contain myself <laughs> you're markham royalty yes we girl. should call you markham royalty i like that <laughs> <laughs> all right holly tell us a little bit about the movie that you are starring in well um resident evil is really dramatic um it's thriller kind of gory type movie which i really like i love horror movies they're my favorite genre for sure Resident Evil is about, you know, Umbrella and Claire, Jill, Leon, you know, Chris, all those people just trying to take over and save Raccoon City. All right. And tell us a little bit about your role. Well, Sari, Sari Birkin, Sari's the daughter of the Birkin family, and she's very innocent, which, you know, it's really cool because in this kind of horror thriller world, She's this little ball of innocence, which is, like, so funny to me because so much can be happening around her, and she she can just keep her innocence. And I find that so, like, interesting in a way. That is awesome. And you know what? You're, like, part of the Resident Evil franchise. It's, like, no small feat. This is, like, huge. And (laughs) just hearing you talk about, like, Again, like you're only 11, but you're a huge sort of fan of horror movies. What like made you get into like the horror genre in the first place? What attracted you to it? And then even before then, like what made you, you know, want to get into acting in the first place? Ever since I was young, I've always been practicing my screams for a horror movie. So when I got the Resident Evil audition, I was like, oh, my God, finally, this is my time. I can scream. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. So when I got it, I did my best scream I ever could. I like to think I got the part just because of my amazing scream. <laughs> we might ask you to demonstrate for us a little later. Yes. <laughs> we might need to so get, get, your, get your lungs ready for that. <laughs> so what have you worked on before, and how is working on Resident Evil different than that? I was about to put 
quit acting even before I started Resident Evil. But after Resident Evil, I was in Good Witch for like two episodes. Good Witch is like Hallmark. It was it was it had a happy tone to it, but Resident Evil was very like dark and scary. Mm-hmm. So I like the contrast between the two. So talk to me like just before you got the part you you said that you were thinking of quitting can you like talk about the process that you were going through like what brought you to that place that you thought you know what maybe you're going to sort of pivot and then like how you felt when you got the call so I started acting got an agent I did auditions for maybe like three years and I did auditions like maybe like four auditions a week and I would do them constantly and it was like a cycle and I would just get rejected and rejected and rejected but I remember I saw Resident Evil, my first horror movie on this, and I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. So I tried my best. I put all my effort in. Honestly, I thought I did kind of bad on the callback. But I got it, and I was so happy. I, I cried. Did you I scream? <laughs> I screamed and cried. As I said, right before, I, I wanted to quit. It was just so much at, like, rejection. But when I got this part, I there was hope. <laughs> And I have to say congratulations because, you know, going through that, it builds, like, experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, like, it's sort of built this sort of extra, like, thick, la- like, extra layer of, like, thick skin on you to be able to be like, you know what, I'm going to keep going. And now that you got this win, it, it, like, it solidifies. You're like, yeah, I'm I'm meant to be here. How does that feel? It feels really amazing. It's like, it's a, it's almost like someone patting you on your back and being like, good job. Mm-hmm. You, you went through it. You went through all the pain but you did it you got what you wanted you got what your younger self would have wanted for you and it, it feels very relieving because it's like I finally did what I felt like I, I was meant to do and it just feels very right and that's funny that you talk about your younger self because you are still so young you are 11 years old and having to go well, through yeah <laughs> And just having to go through all of these emotions and and working so hard at such a young age, I really do commend you for that. Like, what would you what advice would you have rather for anyone around your age or even older who feel like they want to quit acting, too? And like, what would you advise them to do? Power through it. It may seem really hard and it may seem really tiring and it may seem just do it. I know. I feel like everyone says that. And I never really believe people and they're like, do it. Like, I feel like that always felt kind of silly. But when I first, like, actually followed it, it worked. And I believed in myself. And then I I, I did it. And I'm proud of myself now. That's awesome. Like, that's such great advice. And you know what? It might sound cliche to be like, just do it. But you know what? That's, like, the best advice that you can mm-hmm. give. Because, like, it could be the very next step that might get you that breakthrough. And then if you stop short... You might always be thinking, like, what if, right? Um, I do yeah. have a question. So have all of your, like, your your friends and whatnot, have they seen the movie yet? Like, are you sort of anxious for them to see it when it, when it um, eventually comes out? I am very nervous. <laughs> gotcha, um, girl. <laughs> I, I, I'm, Sherry's kind of young, so she's like, I don't know, I guess she's like eight. And there's a lot of scenes where I'm, like, crying a lot and I, I don't know I'm just very anxious to like show people it and like get my school finding out and then like I don't know just people like knowing about it I feel like that's such a weird image in my head like 
like the thought of people just like knowing I'm in a movie just freaks mm-hmm. me out for some reason. Well, I'm sure you're like the coolest kid at school right now. I'm sure everybody wants to be your friend right now. Yes, be the nice, cool kid. Don't be the one that's like, you know, side up. Be the, be the nice, cool kid. Please. Don't go Hollywood. Please. <laughs> yes. I, yes, I girl. I will be nice. I will be nice. <laughs> um, and then also, too, I know you say you like horror. Like horror is your genre. That's your thing. But if you yeah. had to do another movie right now... What sort of storyline would you want it to be? Do you still want it to be in that horror genre, or is there something that you would really love to tackle next? I do like horror, but I really do like comedy. I think I would like to just try it and, like, see how good I am at it and, you know, see if I can get a part or, like, get on a show I really like or something. That would be really cool. Like, the motion. Like, everything about comedy is so precise, and that's what's really hard about it. So tell us what your favorite like comedy television show maybe is and what kind of movie you would like dream of being it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my favorite comedy show is Superstore. I love yeah. it so much. It's so, so funny. Of, like, <laughs> it's so good. I really like Lauren Ashnett. She's really funny. Um, I really like the plot of Superstore. I don't know who made up with it, but it's such a good concept. <laughs> yeah. So like props to you. So you like that dry humor rather than, like, the sitcom type of show? Yeah. yeah. I like the dry humor. Yeah. We love that. Like, The Office and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love The Office yeah. as well. See? Oh there you go. God. I know you, Holly girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then also, like, if you had to pick a dream actress and actor slash actresses that you would love to work with, who would they be? I think my top two, my first one, is Liz Gillies. I saw her in Victoria's. Yes. And I love her. She's so amazing. And she's in Dynasty now? Yeah, she's in Dynasty. And she's killing that role. I love her in Dynasty. That's a good pick. Watching her for the fourth time. (laughs) (laughs) She has a really nice acting style, which I really admire. I don't know. She's just very talented and, like, really unique, I guess. I agree. There's something about her so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I also really like Ariana Grande. I really like her in Victoria's and Sam and Cat. So I would like to be on like a comedy show with her. That would be really fun. So you funny. and Shaliza right now are twinning. We are like best through friends. and through. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's funny, Holly? I was actually uh, watching an interview with Ariana Grande the other day. I think she was on Jimmy mm-hmm. Fallon and she was talking about this new oh, yeah. movie role that she's taken on. And she was mm-hmm. talking about when she auditioned for Nickelodeon, how she picked up the phone and she somehow managed to get through to the front desk at Nickelodeon. Mind you, she's like four years old, and she's like, hi, I want to audition to be on the Amanda show. And they were like, how old are you? <laughs> Look at that. Uh, I think I saw that interview. Yeah. She's hilarious. So I think it's safe to say you've seen every single episode of Victorious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Af was sitting here like, what is Victorious? Like, what? what? See? Okay. I'm letting my age show. Well, you okay. need to watch it. <laughs> letting Victorious. my age show. <laughs> Victorious is the Nickelodeon sitcom on which Ariana Grande and Liz Gillies and Victoria Justice all got their start on. And Avangogia, who... Is your co-star yes. in this movie? Yes, but I thought it was so cool. That's wow. so funny how these worlds collide. That's I'm like a six degrees of separation. Yeah, type. that is cool. Look at that. Were you starstruck yeah. meeting him? I need to know. Yes, I'm not. Even, I know I seem so dramatic, but I I burst into tears. I was so happy. I was meeting like my favorite actors and actresses of all time, and it felt like a dream. I was so happy. I was so starstruck. That's so funny. That's I, I love that for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
you know, and it's not even just like a fangirling type of thing. It's like you get to do your work, what yeah. you've been working for, and then like you're working with somebody that you've admired for so long. It's, and, and it's you so get to, awesome. And you get to watch yeah. them work too. Yeah. Pick up a little bit yeah, of tips and I stuff. Yeah, I get to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, Holly, we know that, uh, I'm going to say it again, that you're very young. And Afo here sitting here looking a little lost, not understanding what victorious, victorious? is. Victorious? <laughs> but uh, this is millennial balance. So we want to have some fun and we want to kind of balance the playing fields between our generations, you know, because a lot of the things that we like, yeah. you might not understand. And a lot of the things that you like, we might not understand. So I have chances I have are guess. I feel like you'll understand, Shaliza. I'm still going to be the one that's still in the dark, but it's fine. <laughs> I, it's fine. I like to relate <laughs> to my younger peoples, okay? <laughs> All right, Holly, I need to know. I have a very burning question. Do you prefer Instagram or TikTok? Oh, come on. You can't. Oh, you cannot <laughs> ask me that. You know what? Um, I thought it'd be an easier answer for you. I didn't think you'd be this torn. I don't know. I definitely use TikTok more because I think, like, the concept of, like, scrolling endless, and, like, endlessly, like, people really, like, attach to. It's like, you always wonder, like, what's going to, like, come next? What's the next video? Like, I, I don't know why. I'm so interested. I get interested in very simple things. Instagram's more, like, educational. That'd be the right It's okay. Word. You're allowed to say it's for older people. Really? Is that where we like? Is that where we're at now? Yes. Okay. I think I think this is where we sit. I think we've got the aunties and uncles <laughs> on Facebook still. So that's where I'm currently at now. No, like I'm getting you're used not to. on Facebook. And then after that, you've got like the younger, like millennials, the older, younger people yeah. who are mostly on Instagram. And then you've got the generation yeah. below us, the, the Gen Z, who love TikTok. What happened to Snapchat? I feel like Snapchat kind of fell through the cracks, for me anyway. Maybe that's a millennial thing, it's, Holly. I feel like every generation has it. Yeah? Even even the yeah. Facebook generation? I hope not. I don't that's know what they send it on Snapchat. But I think Gen Z and, like, millennials can just fall in the same category. Yeah, okay, that's, that's like, interesting. For Snapchat, for Snapchat, for sure. Because I find myself not really using Snapchat quite as often as I used to. Maybe it's just for me, like, the hype died down. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, if I'm going to open yeah. an app, it's going to be Instagram. It's going to be Twitter. It's going to be TikTok. Oh, so. another question. Are skinny jeans cool? Oh, my gosh. You can't hit me with this. This is so going to get so mad at me. Ooh, Holly, careful now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> she's going to answer it. In some circumstances, like, there's some situations they're okay like say you're wearing a nice baggy shirt tight jeans go great with that but like say i don't know i just feel like there's only like specific situations you do you wear them if you want don't wear them if you don't want okay before we go before we wrap this up yeah all right you you gotta give us the scream that got you the part in Resident Evil. And before the scream, all of the details in terms of when this movie is going to be officially coming out, whether you're in the U.S. and you're listening to us from the States, or if you're here in Canada and you want to catch Holly on the big screen. So November the 24th is when Resident mm-hmm. Evil is coming out. There you go. <laughs> all right, Holly, you're going to have to put the phone a little bit away from your away from your face. And I'll here it is. I'll put it on a stand. All right, whenever you're ready, girl. I apologize in advance. Oh. oh, okay. Yep, that's a movie scream. Mm-hmm. That's one right there. Y'all made the right choice with that one. Yeah, because if this is to like scream on, like scream on check. I'd probably be like, nope, running, <laughs> just gone. I wouldn't even be able to give you the scream because I'd be too scared. <laughs> 
Also, Holly, if you if you want to gain some more fans and some more followers, where can everyone find you? Instagram at holly.severos. And that's the only social media I have right now. All right, Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Holly DeBarros making her feature film debut in Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Thanks for joining us, Holly. Thank you. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. Hey, Mike, want some? No way, man. That stuff's illegal. I'm talking about marijuana. The burning weed with its roots in hell. (laughs) The suppression of the use of marijuana and of the forces lurking behind it are the most important jobs this department is now engaged in. Think about it. There's no reason a plant should be illegal in our country. Doesn't the idea of making nature against the law seem to you a bit paranoid? Think about it. Those guys were the most fearless activists in the town who really put their money where their mouth was and pushed the envelope as hard as they could. In the end, they got busted and did federal pen time. They went to actually federal prison. And when they got out, they started again. So if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That's Mary Jean Dunstan, a celebrity in certain circles of Vancouver, Canada. She's a cannabis chef and activist, author of the Pot Pinup Cookbook, and the founder of the Licorice Parlor, an old-fashioned sweet shop with locations on the iconic Commercial Drive and Granville Island. She's also a longtime friend of Don Briere and Carol Gwilt. Vancouver has a lot of marijuana activists, and we activists have to stick together to stay safe, really. I think what's interesting about activists and why we're such a tight circle for those who are true activists in that sense. And it seems a bit sillier talking about it now while it's legal, like a lot of that mental landscape is gone. It's in the history, but I still remember. And so there's a time in activism where you need to stick with your team and stay tight because when the police come to get you, it's that team that's gonna help get you out. And then over time, what's very interesting about being an activist, especially if you're very loud and proud and very vocal, then the police and the authorities are a little more apprehensive to come get you because in the past when marijuana was illegal, most people got charged, took a plea bargain and everybody went home. But they started to recognize very quickly that activists were not taking the plea bargain, myself included, that we demanded that they take these charges through courts and that they figure out exactly what they're charging us with. I think a lot of people went to jail because the police just slapped charges on them and then they swallowed a poisonous pill, took the plea bargain, and that was the end of that. So serious activists don't take plea bargains and they demand the courts and the governments tell us what's really happening and why. And so that's how we legalized weed, I think, in the end. We wore them down. Like Dawn and Carol, Mary Jean, a.k.a. Watermelon, was a prominent figure in the movement to legalize cannabis in Canada. She got her nickname in the days of selling watermelon slices and her signature cannabis cookies on a beach known for freedom and naked sunbathers. Mary Jean considers Dawn and Carol as leaders in the Vancouver pot activist scene. That reputation began when the two decided to team up to open one of the first pot stores of its kind in Canada. 
Don was still out on day parole after his 16-month stint in prison. And despite having just met him a few months prior, Carol knew Don was the right person to help her create her dream of opening a compassion club. He was just so enthusiastic, so positive. He was kind of, I don't know if radiant is the right word, but he was just a very positive person to be around and he felt very confident. The fact that he had done time in prison was really shocking to me that such a nice person could go to jail for something like that. And uh, <clears throat> I just I just wanted to be around him and help him. And I felt bad that he was in jail. I felt bad that I was part of a society that would do that to somebody. And it, it really hit home for me that people really do go to jail for a long time for helping people. In May of 2004, the Dekine Smoke and Beverage Shop was born at 1018 Commercial Drive in Vancouver, BC. Dekine is a Hawaiian hybrid word that can refer to almost anything, but is usually associated with something good and something genuine. Good and genuine are descriptors for Carol and Don's intention for the space. Don came up with the word Dekine, Dekine meaning the best. So whenever we opened up a store, that's what he wanted it to be called. The store that we ended up opening up on Commercial Drive, for me, it was my compassion club. For him, it was his marijuana store. So in the beginning, everybody that came into the store, we tried to get them to go to their doctor, fill out forms that we had printed out for them so they could get a doctor's recommendation, and then come back in and we sell them some cannabis but there weren't enough people around that could do that there weren't enough doctors that were recommending cannabis and so after several weeks and many many people coming in and leaving without a product and being very frustrated seeing the depths of despair some of these people are in we decided we need to open this up to everybody because we're not selling any pot here. Nobody's buying it medicinally, but everybody wants it. So then it just became after that a recreational type of affair in the store. The summer of 2004 was indeed a good one for Dawn and Carol. Business was abundant and their community was growing. Dekine attracted pot tourists from around the world and pot activists closer to home. Mary Jean was there in early days. They were literally selling marijuana just blatantly in the community. And as normal as it was, like, and they, they managed to make it appear normal. They had a person walking around with a dab rig. I mean, dab rigs weren't even a thing then. And a blowtorch giving people <laughs> butter dabs and stuff. You remember the story in What the Bleep Do We Know Anyways when they're explaining how when the boats were first coming over, maybe the Indians couldn't see them because if the mind has never seen that before, it's really hard to see. So I think that's what made it so special is they just went and opened up a store. It looked like any other store. It just started selling weed and it looked very normal until they were only up six or seven months where they finally got shut down. But nobody that I know of had ever done anything as blatant and as ballsy as that until that day. And I think that fired up a lot of other people too. You know, it's really just a feeling you have inside, an impassioned feeling. And anybody who can add to those impassioned feelings 
creates an army of other activists. So that's where Carol and Dawn are very special in that they walked the walk, they talked the talk, they did the pen time, and they inspired young people to also stay the course. Dakine was the first location in Canada to distribute a cannabis concentrate called butter, which also caused a craze within weed culture. That was actually something special about Dakine too. Nobody had ever done that. So, you know, when people think of marijuana, they just think of this combustible dried plant. They don't think of all its other myriad of products that can be made from it, like salves and butters and resins. And so they just opened up Pandora's box. They just opened up this wild world for people. As the weather started to cool with fall's arrival, Don and Carol's intentions for Dakine went up in smoke. The shop was raided by Vancouver police on September 9th, 2004. 62 balaclava-clad officers took part in the operation at the small shop. Both Carol and Dawn did their best to avoid another arrest for Dawn. We just walked in the front door and we were at the back and I was walking out the back and I heard Carol scream. So I knew it was something's going down. I didn't get caught, I just kind of kept walking and one or two police officers ran past me and into the back of the store and jumped on a couple of people that were coming out the back door. And I went around the block and walked across the street, bought a Hawaiian shirt and a hat, watched the whole thing. There was literally hundreds of people there, right? Don and I had just gone out for ice cream. We were walking into the back of the store, into the office with our cones, and Don kind of lingered outside. He was a few steps behind me anyways. When I got into the office, I started hearing this yelling and commotion coming from the front. And I looked at the security camera, which was right in front of me on my desk, and I could see these people just running in the door, and they're all dressed in black, and they're wearing balclavas and baseball caps. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I could hear, raid, raid, get down on the ground. And right away, I turned back to Don and I almost shoved him out the door. I said, you need to get out of here, go. And I opened the office door into the front area and immediately there was about four policemen just right in front of me. I said, what the hell is going on here? And the guy said, this is a raid. Are you the owner here? And I said, yes, I'm the owner. What's going on? And, you know, he said, this is a raid and you're under arrest. There was 33 customers in the store at the time, and they were all asked to sit down on the ground and not move or anything like that. And then the police were able to identify seven people in there that were working and got them segregated and put them under arrest. They led me out the front door into a paddy wagon, and they went through the 33 customers and they logged them all. They checked them all for criminal records and all kinds of information taken from our customers. And then they sent eight of us away in a paddy wagon to the Vancouver jail cells where we sat for the next 24 hours. While Carol and Dawn grappled with heavy charges and the reality of losing their shared vision, the disappearance of Dekine in the community fans the flame of the fight to legalize cannabis. It created this huge 
groundswell. And after we were raided, we set out a petition and we had 14,000 signatures in it. Very quickly, you know, it created this huge uprising of people who weren't speaking out before and now they're speaking out. You know, everything just amped up after that in all of Vancouver. Like, People came out to rallies more and people came out to protest. There was always something going on where we're involved. Lots of people show up for court dates and whatnot. And people were supporting each other and it, it was really picking up. Somebody said at the time, well, legalization isn't going to happen in our lifetime. And, you know, it just made me so mad to hear that. And, you know, when there's so many of us working so hard at, getting legalization to happen, and there was a lot of people getting on board, though. Mary Jean was part of the uprising among local activists and pot enthusiasts. She agrees with Carol that punitive action against a kind only seemed to increase the motivation to normalize and legalize. The first one comes along and shows everybody else that it can be done, right? With a little bit of perseverance and a whole lot of hard work. Things can happen, you know, so I, I just think at the end when everybody saw what they had done, what they had accomplished, then that gave everybody else a little more chutzpah to carry on with their own activism. So that's just more value than anything else, right? Almost a full two years after the raid, the loss of their business and dream, Carol is sentenced to 17 months in a provincial jail. She ends up doing eight and a half with time served. It would be two more years of waiting before Dom Briere will learn his fate. One thing is certain, his dedication to creating places to offer quality cannabis does not waver. More jail time or not, he knows he'll be back bigger and better than ever. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.